If you love all things TV, you're in the right place. Each episode of Chatterbox explores the best programmes and movies on British telly and is brought to you by a trio of critics. I'm Sarah Morgan and I love everything from the retro hits of yesteryear to the current crop of hit dramas and sitcoms, as well as classic movies. Joining in the fun this week are Chris Daniel. Hi, I'm Chris. I I love watching lots of things on the TV, but some of the things you will never catch me watching include soaps, Channel 5 and talent shows. I'm Roger Crowe. I'm Roger Crowe, and many of the things that you will find me watching are soaps, talent shows, and uh, classic old Jerry Anderson series such as Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. Hello again. This week we're looking at week commencing the 15th of February. Um, we're going to be looking at what we're currently enjoying on TV, what we're looking forward to this coming week, and what we think is the best film of the week. So I'll kick things off. Righto. Um, what I'm enjoying at the minute is Endeavour, which is on Sundays on ITV at 8pm. Ah, I've never seen it, but uh, I'm a big fan of Roger Allen. Oh, Roger Allen is probably the reason that I watch it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's the Inspector Morse prequel, for those of you who are unaware of it. Um, Sean Evans plays young Morse in it, young Endeavour. Right. And he's okay. He, I, I find it quite difficult to imagine him as a young John Thought. Yeah, first. I can't really see the joy in myself. No, it's 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 kind of difficult. But I suppose when you know what John Thought looks like, because Morse is kind of this sort of he's a he's sort of a quiet, sensitive young man, and John Thought never right. looked like a quiet, sensitive no. young man. So to try and match that that one would have been quite difficult I think anyway have they entered the 1970s yet? it is 1970 in this new series that's so weird because two or three years ago I interviewed Roger Arnold about the show and we were talking about the style of it in the 60s and the whole kind of look of it and I said you know at one point is it going to if it goes this far is it going to end up in the swinging sort of 70s where it's all flares and Mm. kipper ties and stuff and we had a bit of a laugh about it but obviously it's going to happen isn't it? it it is going to happen and I think what I'm going to find interesting is because I'm a massive fan of Inspector Morse. Yeah. I know that Roger Allen's character, Fred Thursday, he's never mentioned in Morse. Right. It's a different, Morse had a different mentor. Right. And he, he actually appeared in one episode. He was played by Ian Cuthbertson. Oh, okay. And he, he was a guy, Morse described him as a, as a man whose wife had betrayed him with God because she died. Right. And he'd become a vicar. Yeah. And he took Lewis to meet him, tied up with some case or other. So, eventually, Thursday has got to go. Yeah, sure. And this guy has got to come in. Surely, if if they go, if they really are going to tie up the two timelines. And I suppose so, you know, obviously, this this show is hugely successful, and I'm, gu- I'm guessing it's the same team that worked on Morse back in the day. It's so the same same writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this can run and run, and eventually. I'd love it if they just tied it up where it sort of ends in 1986. 80, I think it's slightly later. later because didn't it start in 87? Something like that. So it wouldn't it be nice if that last episode is like in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, I'm the same. I hope it does carry on for that long, but then that's one hell of a series. Yeah. That would be like 25 series or yeah, something. Yeah, but you never know, do you? You, know, you never know. Like last no. of the summer line with detectives. <laughs> yeah. Um, what has been interesting is that, well, the first episode was on last Sunday, mm. um, and Abigail Thor, daughter, eldest daughter of John, she has a recurring role in it, just a very small role, as right. done from the start. Yeah. Uh, she plays a, a newspaper editor, local newspaper editor. Ah. She's quite friendly with Morse. Mm. But in this episode, they, the pair of them turned up at a sort of feminist 
um, gathering, women's lib type meeting in right. Oxford. And Abigail Thor's character shook hands with a woman called Sally Alexander. Right. Now, interestingly, the real Sally Alexander was John Thor's first wife uh, okay. and is therefore Abigail Thor's mum. Oh, uh, okay. Wife. Nice, nice. So she, did, she didn't actually, the character didn't actually speak. Yeah, sure. But it was like she was shaking hands with her mum. Nice little in-joke, I guess. Yeah, it was, yeah. As if Abigail Thor being in it isn't yeah. enough of an in-joke. I love Easter eggs like that. <laughs> so anyway, that that continues this week. It's only a three-part uh, three series this time, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So next year, hopefully, they'll be in 1971. Whether Roger Arnold's character Fred makes it that far, we'll have to wait and see. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of that, and I pretty much didn't bother watching Morse. Cause I, for me, it just went on a little bit too long, but I do remember watching the Danny Boyle episode, just because it was directed oh, by Danny Boyle. Yeah, it's terrible. That's the worst episode. Yeah, it's not great, to be fair. Because that's one that wasn't based on a Colin Dexter novel, wasn't it? Yeah, it shows. It's, it's got uh, Jason Isaacs in it. Very possibly. It's a rave. For, yeah, I do remember the rave. I need to watch it again just to see about it. And I love Jason Isaacs. Hello. Yeah, I love Jason Isaacs, but it's not the best work from either him or Danny Boyle. You know, you know about the hello to Jason Isaacs, don't yes, you? Yes, yeah. do, yeah. So hello to Jason Isaacs. <laughs> not, not that he might, well, he, yeah, but no, he might listen to this podcast. He might, yeah. Let's we'll hope eh? Yeah. So that's Endeavour. That's Sundays on ITV at 8pm. And I'll be watching it even if Roger's in. There you go. Um, so what I'm looking forward to is Hidden, which is on Saturday the 15th on BBC4 at 9pm. Now, without knowing a thing about it, I can already guarantee this is a Euro thriller. Maybe no. Detective drama? It's a detective drama, but you're but not thinking a Euro thriller. it's not a Euro thriller. Well, oh, okay. no, not now it isn't. Canadian? No. Something from not, not from the UK? Yes. Okay. No, it's not. It's, um, it's from Wales. It's a Welsh. Oh, it's Welsh? Yeah. Oh, right. Tell me more. Well, in Wales, it's called Craith. I, I oh, don't know okay. if I'm actually pronouncing that correctly. Right. And it's already been shown on S4C, and I think it's already been shown more recently on BBC Wales. Okay. Uh, but now it's on BBC4, so we can all see it. Great. The first series aired in 2018. Right. And that was brilliant. That was about um, women who'd been women who disappeared it turned out that they'd been kidnapped by this nutter who was keeping them in an underground shelter it really quite okay, scary actually. Right. and it's in a mix of Welsh and English Okay. and now this is the second series which I've been desperate to see really Yeah. Um, and it follows it's two cops as usual one of them um, is played by Sean Reese Williams, who you may remember played Genesis in Emmerdale yeah. a few years back. Much in uh, Live Duty recently as well. Oh, I think she was the remember. one of the coppers involved in series four or five, Stephen Graham storyline. Was she? I can't remember her being in that, I but I'm so. not. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I've got a feeling I've written about this, but it was probably two years ago. Yeah, probably. So yeah. that's why it's sort of vaguely ringing a bell because I do remember Sean Reese Williams. Um. Anyway, she's great in this. She's playing this sort of... She, I think the, the idea was that her character had been working... She had quite a, a high-flying career with the Met. Right. And then her father fell ill, so she's kind of come back to Wales to, take, mm. to sort of help her sisters look after him. Yeah. Um, and so she's working back in, in kind of her own town, really. Okay. So this time her and her partner, it's Caddy. She plays Caddy, and then her partner's called Vaughan. She plays Caddy? Caddy, yeah. And, yeah, and there's a character in uh, Line of Duty called Caddy. 
Yeah, that's I the, swear I have watched Line of Duty. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the names well, that, of any characters or the, the movie. Obviously, the, the, yeah. the caddy is the mole, isn't it? In the the first three series, it's integral to the first I three. And I won't reveal who who the caddy is, but uh, oh yeah, as in golf yeah, caddy. Exactly. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, so this is just C A D I. Okay. Um, and so they're called in to investigate when a body's found in a in a house. Um, near Blanau Festiniog, right. which is a, strangely a place that I've been to. Right, near the railway? Uh, yes, it is. It's, okay. near, it's quite near Port Merion. If, oh, which is where I'm going to in a few weeks, hopefully. Oh, is it? Excellent. All, be, all being well. Oh, I go, go, it's the prisoner village, obviously. Yeah, I've not been is... since I was about uh, seven years old, back in the day when it didn't really mean anything, and I've been planning to go back ever since. Oh, but, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, number six's house is there. Yeah. But I don't think this is where the body was found. Oh, right. Okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, so if you do watch it, then you know you might recognise a few places if you yeah. go to Port Merion. So that's it. Anyway, that's that's hidden. That's coming up on Saturday the fifteenth on BBC Four at nine pm. Right. And Chris is very quiet today. Isn't you he? are very quiet, aren't you, Chris? Oh, wait a minute. You're not even there. You're not are even you? here. Oh it's, dear. <laughs> it's just the spirit of Chris. <laughs> We're going to make him listen to this afterwards. Uh, oh yeah, pay, gonna, for it, pay for his absence. We're not, we're not going to spend ten minutes talking about why the West Wing is so bad. <laughs> yeah, why we both hate the West Wing. Oh, it's just atrocious, isn't it? It's just so badly written, and the cast is awful. <laughs> and why would anyone bother watching that? And then we could throw in some American sports and how much we hate. Oh God, no, why would anyone bother watching American sports? The NBA, forget that. And the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's under anyone bothers, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, that, that's our little Abigail Thor style in joke yes, for Chris there. Indeed. Um, so anyway, my film of the week. Actually, for once, I found it quite difficult to to narrow it down to just one. Mm. There were lots and lots of uh, candidates this week. I quite like the idea of Kelly's Heroes on Sunday on ITV Four. Would that be because it's either Clint Eastwood or it's Donald Sutherland? Or it's Donald Sutherland, or, or, both. or both, yeah. Yeah, good choice. Um, Dante's Peak on Thursday on Film 4 at 6.55. Piers Brosnan at his shoutiest and finest. Yeah. Just basically Jaws with Lava. It is. It's a very, very silly film, but, but it is hugely enjoyable. Yeah. And Clint again in The Outlaw, Josie Wales, also on Thursday on ITV4 at 9pm. Yeah, right. However, I've gone completely different this time mm. and I've gone for Tom Curtin on Thursday on but that doesn't start Clint Eastwood it's not, it doesn't have Clint Eastwood okay. um, it's on Thursday on Sony Movies Classic at 9pm Yeah. but it is an Alfred Hitchcock film and it does star Paul Newman and Julie Andrews of all people mm. uh, I think she was only in it I think Hitchcock only cast her because at that time 1966 I think this came out she was absolutely the biggest star yeah. ever in the world more or less because yeah. of Mary Poppins and Sound of Music. So it was a way of um, potentially boosting his coffers, really. Not one of Hitchcock's best, from what I remember. I've never really felt the urge to, to watch Torn Curtain. I think it's a little bit underrated, mm. actually. I think some of his later films are. Yeah. I, pre- I actually prefer it to Marnie, which is the film okay. that he made directly before this. Yeah. I think he, he, you're right in, to say that he, he peaked sort of late 50s, early 60s. Mm. And then tailed off a little bit, but I do think I think there's enough in Tom Curtin to make it worth a watch. Okay, yeah, definitely, because I'm I'm all for a bit of Hitch, because obviously one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But uh, for me, after 1963, was it when he made The Birds? Yeah. I think he he struggled a little bit with material, and maybe you know he 
felt like he'd kind of done the thriller to death but obviously that was his forte because he was so darn good at it so I think there were a lot more sort of copycats of Iron Man mm. and they were maybe doing things they were doing the same things that he'd been doing but in a more modern yeah. slightly cooler style and I think he kind of suffered because of that yeah. but looking looking at them now if you take them as a, as a full body of work mm. I think Tom Curtin's a good film and I like Frenzy yeah, Fren- um, Friends is kind of it's a nasty little thriller. Isn't it's it? it's very nasty. It's kind of sleazy, but I think that's the, that's the point. I think that's kind of why it stands up better mm. today than than it probably did at the time. And for you, I guess for you, having watched Van der Volk, you're more <laughs> Barry Foster fan these days, aren't you? Yeah, slightly obsessed with Barry Foster. I, went, I did once interview Vernon Cribbin probably ten years ago, within a few weeks, ten years ago, because he was doing Doctor Who that last David Tennant episode. Oh, yeah. And we had a bit of a chat about Frenzy, and I've not seen it for years, so I do need to give that another look at some point. It is proper nasty, yeah. actually. I yeah, think it's it grim, would, isn't it? I think it would probably still get an 18 certificate yeah. even now. There's just something about that seediness of it all, which of course is the point, you know, is yeah. that kind of something about early 70s, that whole tacky kind of quality yeah, to it. Yeah, I love it. That's my, yeah. my favourite era it's, of it has, Yeah, it's just a, it's almost like you can you can smell the corruptness on the London streets. Yeah, know. absolutely. And that's not even on. That's not even on. So French is not even on. We're right <laughs> yeah. about it, so there you go. So Tom Curtin, anyway, it's a bit of a, it's like, it's a Cold War thriller, basically. Uh, yeah. Paul Newman plays a, he's a scientist, but he becomes a double agent pretends to defect to East Germany and it's it should be a foolproof plan mm. except that Julie Andrews was playing his fiance yeah decides to follow him there and that kind of spoils things and they face a you know a battle to, to get out again I've said it I've said it before but one of the great things about doing this podcast is it inspires me to watch this stuff <laughs> so it's got to be good isn't it really oh, well hopefully yeah, yeah. Um, there is one really key scene in it the most famous scene is where Paul Newman and uh, somebody who's helping him have to kill somebody who's been following Paul Newman's character right. and it goes on for a long time the, the idea is to demonstrate how actually difficult it is to kill somebody with yeah. bare hands sure. um, and it is a really really great tense mm. scene even though you know already how it's, how it's going to pan out it, yeah. it's just watching it it's yeah, very, very tense. So if, even if you only watch that sort of five minutes or so, it's, it's well worth it. I think, I think one of the greatest things about Hitchcock, I mean, he was such a great filmmaker on so many levels, but he just created that golden rule of show, don't tell. Yeah. And the amount of bad filmmakers out there that just think, right, you've got a 90-minute film, you need 90-page script with 90 pages of dialogue, mm-hmm. and you really don't. You need about half the dialogue for a 90-page for a 90-page script. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at maybe 45 minutes of dialogue, if that. Look at some of the greatest filmmakers of all time, and they, they absolutely know that role, and Hitchcock was one of the guys that set it up. Well, did you see the Edgar Wright Do you know what? in cinema? There's both of the, the Sam Mendes one, the Edgar Wright one, two things that I really want to watch, and I've not got around to it yet. Well, it's just, it's funny that you're saying about that, about the sort of needing less dialogue. Mm. There's a bit in that where he says something about the best films are when you can watch them like like a silent movie yeah. so there's no sound yeah. but you can still follow yeah. the story 100% I mean, which kind of backs up what you're saying there really. you know George Miller did the Mad Max saga and uh, hopefully he's going to do a fifth one at some point he, he knew that role quite early on in sort of early 80s and uh, 
you look at Fury Road, which is one of the best films. Which is one of Edgar Wright's choices. Oh, fantastic. I'm not surprised, because <laughs> it's an absolute masterpiece. You're going to go and get that on iPlayer tonight, Yeah, you? completely. Because <laughs> I love Edgar Wright and I love uh, Fury Road. Um, so, yeah, definitely. That sounds awesome, so I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, um, just the last last couple of things. It was also Hitcher's 50th movie, so he should have known what he was doing by this Come point. On. And interestingly, uh, from a Yorkshire point of view anyway, it uh, had a dialogue polish from Keith Waterhouse and Willis Hall, oh, right, okay. who just had big successes with Whistle Down the Wind and Kind of Loving and Billy Lyon. Billy Lyon, yeah. yeah. Fantastic stuff. So anyway, that's it. I'll shut, I'll shut up about talking. Yeah, exactly. um, which is on Thursday on Sony Movies Classic at 9pm. Yeah, awesome. So, over to you then, Raj. So, have you seen uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? I've seen the first two or three series right. of it. It's really interesting because a friend at work had mentioned the new series it started. I thought, oh, I'll give it a look. So I had a few hours to kill and uh, devoured the first couple of apps, which obviously isn't hard because they're about half an hour each. Mm-hmm. The brand new series has recently started. It's on the Sky Comedy, which is this uh, relatively new channel. Um, I could never really get into Curb um, when it first started, and we're looking at 2001, 2002. Yeah. Um, the new series is phenomenal. I mean, it's just like a well-oiled machine. And Larry David, who is the guy that created Seinfeld, and he's just one of America's greatest comedians slash writers, he just looks like he's having a ball. He, he's yeah. really settled into the role. It's like he's got nothing left to prove. And he's just such a fascinating character. He's kind of this really rake-thin guy. He's probably in his maybe 60s. And he's almost like a, a, a walking animation. It's kind of like uh, Woody Allen before Woody Allen became a little bit. Mm. Mm, yeah, before so, you, you know, you're not supposed to like Woody yeah, Allen. Yeah, exactly. So. so Larry David is this phenomenal force of nature who is, is basically playing a version of himself. But I think at one point someone says, you, you know, you, you've got no filter, and that's the joy of it, really. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's walking down the street, and there's a couple of tourists, and they're taking a selfie with a selfie stick, and chatting to his mate and he just takes the selfie stick off and snaps it on his leg and passes it back to them you know <laughs> and it's stuff like that and like I say it's it just ticks over beautifully this new series but because uh, there's only new one new episode dropping every week I think the new one uh, drops today that's Tuesday um, I'm uh, having to go back and, and watch the old eps which is not a problem obviously because I've no. got like maybe nine series to catch up on so I caught up on series nine straight away. I think we're on season ten now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And oh, what a cast list! Because there's uh, Lin Lin Manuel Miranda's in mm-hmm. uh, season nine because he wants to put on this musical, the uh, Fat Waller musical, uh, with uh, <laughs> Salman Rushdie playing the Ayatollah and Lin Manuel Miranda playing Salman Rushdie, and that is just beautiful. The way he'll just say uh, he'll have this little sequence where he spends half of the series with a fat war on his head. <laughs> And then uh, he, uh, just because he's nice to this guy at uh, like an all-you-can-eat buffet, uh, it kind of uh, leads towards the fat wire sort, sort of being lifted. Right. And then uh, just the way it, they'll set out the, I mean, it's a half hour, most of the episodes are half hour, but they just play out beautifully and it, it feels like um, they're an hour long because there's so the, many gags. I mean, I, I'm assuming it's, it's the same uh, now as it was then, but they just... Those half hour, 25 minutes, they're mm. just so brilliantly structured. Yeah. Yeah. And something that happens right at the beginning, yeah. it'll come back at the end and it'll just be tied up. And the beauty of it is you're waiting for it as well. Yeah. You, you, he he, he kind of knows how smart the audience is. 
So he knows that once he, he lays out those sort of scenes in the first five minutes, it's like Chekhov's gun, isn't it? <laughs> you know, if you see a gun in the first act, it's got to be fired by the third act. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this. I mean, it's, instead of a gun, it's uh, just these little seeds of ideas that pay off and um, bear fruit in the third act. So that's terrific. That's a Sky Comedy. And uh, like I say, that they've got all of the apps up there, which is a treat for somebody like me that's not really seen a lot of them I've seen bits and bobs because yeah. I know it's been a, it's been all the rage for like the last 10 almost 20 years yeah well it used so, to be on BBC2 they used yeah. to, to show it that's when I watched it yeah um, and then they took it off and it went on to Sky which I didn't have yeah so I bought a huge box set which then I've never got around to watching so yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm going to have to sort myself out really because uh, I did really really enjoy it um, yeah and I uh, Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen were in it as his friends and that's they, right they were just Hilarious whenever they turn up. So Ted Danson in series nine, the penultimate one before this one that's just uh, started, is dating Larry Sun, uh, Larry David's wife. Ah, right, so there's, there's Yeah, there's plenty of, of comedy material there. <laughs> there is an episode uh, called the Pickle Jar Gambit, which right. is one of the most beautifully constructed bits of uh, comedy I've ever seen. Not least because Larry's walking around with this fat war outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just splendid. So yeah, give that a look. And if you uh, if there's a bit too much shouting in that, then um, uh, check out Thirty Rock as well, which for me is one of the best uh, sitcoms of the last twenty odd years. Not least because of Alec Baldwin and the phenomenal Tina Fey. That's also on Sky Comedy. So after all of those giggles, uh, there's more home-based giggles, uh, which is not uh, giggles set in a furniture store. If, if home-based is even still going, and no, we're not affiliated with them. <laughs> um, so what I'm looking forward to is uh, the splendid return of this country, which uh, starts on uh, Monday the 17th of Feb. BBC One, 10.35pm. It's also available on BBC Three. Fantastic. So you can actually stream the first episode at 7 o'clock that night, I think. Which I might have to do, because I am um, a massive fan of this. And if you've never seen it, it centres on this uh, Cotswold family, uh, specifically Kerry and Curtin Mucklow, who are cousins. Um, but there's all these peripheral characters that sort of orbit around them. Uh, and it's sort of heartbreakingly sad because it's it's another of these sitcoms that set out like a, a documentary, a little bit like The Office, which obviously laid the ground for for so much of these wonderful sitcoms. Uh, and the <coughs> the Cooper duo are just uh, phenomenal. They've you know they, they wrote this, they star in it, and uh, there's, there's there's such an aching sadness to it as well. It's know. just dead end lines. Yeah, there's completely. no. You know, they're just living in this village where there's yeah. no there's no jobs for them no. or anything like that. How they've managed to turn that into a really great comedy, I'm yeah. not sure. So. And, and the aching sadness of, of Kerry, who's, you know, she's never been uh, uh, blessed with a beauty stick, if you like. Um, and all of her friends, if she had any, have moved away. So she's sort of hanging around with a bunch of kids on a, on a tip, <laughs> you know, and that's... It's just there's something so sad about it. But she's never really... Yeah, the impression she's never really had any kind of family love either. yeah the, the closest which, person to her is Curtin yeah and, and the, the aching sadness of this this uh, love she she's so desperate for from her father um, which formed the basis for uh, a standalone episode in between season two and three so it was like a episode 2.5 if you like and that was just beautifully done I mean you know I'm not surprised they ended up with BAFTAs and uh, you know both of them have been courted for um She's been courted for a, a sitcom uh, with Tim Key uh, oh, right. that uh, is about a witch finder. <laughs> and so she plays a witch in it. 
and uh, Charlie's uh, in the new Steve Coogan film which I'm really looking forward to called wow. Greed he also turned up in a straight role in uh, A Confession he That's was one right. of the victim's boyfriend the Mar- Martin Freeman yeah. guy wasn't it yeah. yeah so you know the fact he can beautifully do comedy but uh, they're both uh, both people to watch out for in the future I mean they already are you know phenomenal so I don't know whether this is going to be the last series. There, there is a certain logic to kind of tying things up with, with a third series, obviously. But um, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how things work out. And I just hope Kerry hope hopefully <laughs> finds a, a partner, gets a family, or doesn't, or whatever. Just gets whatever some, makes her happy. Some degree of happiness, you know, because <laughs> they deserve it. And uh, and Kurt, I I, th- I think Curtin is one of again one of the greatest characters, British sitcom characters of the last ten years. Not least uh, just the way he interacts with some of the locals, especially the vicar, who's sort of so <laughs> desperately trying to keep them on side and on yeah. track and be cool and all the rest of it. So there you go. That's Monday the seventeenth. That starts, and as uh, Sarah mentioned, it's also on BBC Three. So that's uh, terrestrial on BBC One, ten thirty-five PM. So the film, which it's been on a lot, and so there might be a few eye rolls out there, but it's such a phenomenal piece of work. It's essentially three films in one, and this is the first part of a trilogy. So uh, it's Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Peter Jackson's masterpiece of a conversion of uh, Tolkien's uh, epic fantasy novel, which millions of people said, don't even bother, it's never going to work. And if, you, if it is going to work, it's certainly not going to work in New Zealand. Because, like, who's, who, you know, for years, New Zealand was, uh, you know, the bottom of the tree when it came to filmmaking. The effects weren't up to much. There was no real film industry. There's a handful of, you know, great directors out there, but there was hardly any money involved. There was, uh, you know, it was just, forget it. No one was going to be bothered with it. But uh, Peter Jackson's never been the sort of guy that's listened to critics or, you know, any common sense. He just goes, gets out there and, and makes films. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for the first one, I think, because it, it was the one that had the, the most work to do. It had to introduce uh, millions of people to this epic novel. And the novel itself, I mean, I, I've always found it hard work. I've only ever managed to watch, read the first book. And the timeline of the first novel, I think there's 17 years between Frodo finding the ring and doing anything about it. So the beauty of the screenplay is that uh, Jackson... Uh, Philippa Boynes and Fran Walsh managed to sort of put some heat behind it and uh, turned it turned the whole thing into a bit of a ticking bomb, if you like. So it, it generates the energy that the, the novel needed. Uh, not to mention the fact that the cast is superb. I mean, Sean Bean, you know, is uh, is absolutely spot on in this. I'm laughing because you know how much I don't like Sean. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> but you know, it's Viggo Mortensen who was cast in the Eleventh Hour as Aragorn is word perfect. I mean, they could not have got anyone better for that role. He's the kind of a shadowy stranger that kind of comes to the rescue. And I've never really been a fan of Liv Tyler, and she's wonderful in it. And, uh, you know, across the board, it's just tick, 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 tick. And not to mention those special effects, which are out of this world. And Howard Shaw's phenomenal, bombastic score, which is terrific in all the right places. And, of course, recent BAFTA winner, Andy Serkis, who is... uh, Pretty. Young. I don't know how much work he did on, on the first one actually, mm. because Gollum is is one of those characters. Very much a peripheral character. Completely. I mean, it was all a bit of a beta test for the first film, so he really comes into his own in film too. Um, but yeah, 
it's it's a phenomenal piece of work. Um, if you've only ever seen the Hobbit films, you've never seen the original uh, Lord of the Rings, then you're in for an absolute treat. Now, as I went around the set a couple of years ago, or 18 months ago in New Zealand, which they basically rebuilt for the Hobbit movies, it's uh, it's got an added poignancy for me, really, because the whole thing has turned into a massive industry, as you might imagine, in, uh, in New Zealand, in a place called Matamata, where they... Uh, one day, I think it was in about 99, 2000, uh, this uh, talent scout, if you like, or he was a recce guy, turned up at this farm in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand where the guy was watching the rugby, knocks on the door and says, uh, kind of interested in using your farmland for this film, for, for this Lord of the Rings film. He goes, yeah, whatever you like. <laughs> guy carries on watching the rugby. The talent scout, or you know, the, the location scout, rather, looks around this farmland and then uh, I think this guy's son, because the guy hadn't got a clue what Lord of the Rings was, didn't mm. know what Tolkien was, and uh, the guy's son said, uh, who's that guy? And he goes, oh, it was some film bloke, you know, he wants to make a film of Lord of the Rings. And you can imagine his son's uh, jaw dropping. And from, from the seed of that acorn, if you like, uh, rose this uh, Frodo economy, which has just changed New Zealand beyond all compare. I mean, it's, you know, it's such a phenomenal industry on so many levels, you know, the fact that Peter Jackson's obviously been knighted for this. Obviously, I can go on about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm letting you because I've got no. I've got um, very little to say about it. Yeah. to be honest, I'm not really a fan. I can, can, I, can I don't really it. do fantasy. Yeah, right. That's um, fair enough. That's not my bag, baby. I I was quite surprised because I was a little bit jaded with fantasy films because this there's something historic about this because no one had ever made a good fantasy film at this point. I mean, I'm talking swords and arrows mm. and elves and orcs and all the rest of it. I mean, the best we could have hoped for was something like Hawk the Slayer, which, as they yeah. quite rightly I mean, say, is you, Well, you could say... I don't know, I might sort of bug in Ray Harryhausen yeah, yeah. films with that, to be they honest, were, which they, I do really, really like. I mean, the, Sin, the Sinbad films were fantastic. Um, you know, they... They were the, they set the bar really high actually, mm. and without the Harryhausen effect, uh, Peter Jackson probably never would have got into filmmaking. No, because the DNA of Harryhausen is all the way through um, Lord of the Rings. Well, you can see it from Peter Jackson's early films yeah. as well, where he was doing sort of his own yeah. homemade effects. I actually prefer those yeah. <laughs> than I do Lord of the Rings. I, I adore it for um, so many levels. I mean, I could go on about Harryhausen all day, but. For someone that was weaned on Talos, that uh, amazing warrior in um, Jason and the Argonauts, mm. I mean, the first time I saw that, it absolutely blew my mind. And what they managed to do with uh, the cave troll, which stems again from Harry Hosen's sort of creative DNA, uh, it took it to the next level mm. in the way that cinema evolves, which I adore. When you see something like Jurassic Park, which again stems from that whole. Willis O'Brien slash Harryhausen DNA. They took that to the next yeah, level as well, and there's something nice. wonderful about that. But I'll, I'll shut up now, because I've gone on for longer. <laughs> so that's Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, Saturday, Channel 5 at 3.50pm. Sadly, there are adverts, but it does go on all day, so you know, you'll be glad of a cup of tea or, or two. Yeah, get up and stretch your legs for a wee bit. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so that's it then for week commencing. 15th of February. We'll see you again next week. You've um, been listening to... Oh, go on. And, and just uh, as a sideline, a uh, big thank you to Linda at Acast for um, not only uh, pushing the show, but helping us to get onto iTunes as well, where you can download uh, this show and many others. Excellent. Cheers, Linda.
You've been listening to Sarah Morgan. And Roger Crowe. And not Chris Daniel. And not Chris Daniel. See you, Chris. See ya. Bye. Bye.